Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. It's RJ Ochoa here, not Kelsey Charles and not Meg Murray, and this is technically your episode of Girls Talking Boys for the week. Obviously, things in the DFW area have been really scary this week. We hope that all of you are as safe as can be. We're definitely thinking of you and praying for you. Everybody at BTB is. And look, with the week that it was, we talked about on Thursday with Roy White having to deal with situations. Tom Ryle and I talked on our episode of Riled Up. And uh, with everything, just the way it is, we figured, you know what, Kelsey, Meg, take care of what's important. I do not live in the DFW area, so I'm all right. I was able to get something up for you guys. Uh, We actually did a live stream on our YouTube channel on Thursday. If you haven't yet, please go and subscribe right there. Talking about Carson Wentz being traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts, the impact that it's had on Dak Prescott, so on and so forth. And so we figured we'd put that audio here for an episode of GTB. Kelsey and Meg should be back next week. Again, we're just hoping that everything restores itself as soon as it can. Um, if you can, you know, leave a rating here, write a review, subscribe to the Blog and the Boys podcast. We, we certainly encourage that as often as you can, but um, hoping everybody is as safe as can be. Can't wait to talk to you all soon enough. Here is the audio from our YouTube live stream on Thursday afternoon. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, staying warm, and that you saw the big news on Thursday. It is the third day. It's February 18th, 2020. As we sit here on our YouTube live stream, make sure you subscribe right here to the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel. We do these all the time. We have a lot of fun videos. We put together conversations, film reviews. We're breaking down some draft prospects. The great Matt Minich, hard at work. In fact, he just sent me a message before I jumped on here he sent uh, another review he's got another review ready for you to watch so uh, be on the lookout for that subscribe so you don't miss any of those wonderful videos while you're subscribing to stuff subscribe to the blog and the boys podcast network we put out an episode every day for you because we know that things are constantly changing and happening in the world of the Dallas Cowboys leave a rating write a review those things make our hearts the old Coruscant pretty happy but uh, today we're here to talk about something that really kind of has nothing to do with the Dallas Cowboys but just like everything else in the NFL world has everything to do with the Dallas Cowboys. Before we start, I do want to give a shout out to Davion James and Jimbo Slice. I uh, I mentioned I was reading the 1997 master story that Tiger Woods wrote uh, now four years ago. I finished it. Great book. A great discussion on Tiger's um, 97 uh, historic win there at Augusta National. And we got two recommendations. That's right. Davion James said, I'm reading Goodbye Germ Theory and The Good Book. I love The Good Book. So well done, J- uh, Davion. And Jimbo Slice said, read Intensity by Dean Koontz. Uh, it did seem to be a bit intense. My next uh, adventure that I'm working on, shout out to my friend James Massey, who sent me an Instagram message, wrote this, the Iceman always comes on Tuesday. So looking forward to diving in myself. But let's discuss the news of the day. Carson Wentz, former 
Philadelphia Eagles quarterback is now headed to the Midwest. Carson Wentz predictably joining the Indianapolis Colts. This was a move that I think everybody saw coming. I know you have that friend, you have that that person in your life who said, man, I'm telling you, Car- Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. I'm, I'm calling it. Yeah, everybody called this. This was super predictable. This was super obvious. Frank Reich, the Indianapolis Colts head coach, was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia in 2017 when Carson Wentz, as every Eagles fan has told us, would have won MVP had he not gotten injured. That really was unfortunate for Carson that he did. As you well know, the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. And I think this is really interesting because you can kind of trace even the this move today back to Josh McDaniels because Frank Reich got that Indianapolis Colts head coaching job because it became available after Josh McDaniels left. Remember, he took that job in early 2018. He accepted it. He filled out his staff. He took Matt Eberflus to be his defensive coordinator for the Colts, who's still doing a fantastic job, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Good thing the Cowboys let Flus walk uh, and chose Rod Marinelli over him and Chris Richard. That was a great decision. Uh, But anyway, Frank Reich got that job because it was open it was available it took a very special person to jump into a job where they couldn't fill their entire staff like most NFL head coaches Frank Wright goes to Indianapolis they're a playoff team in 2018 they go to Houston win a playoff game it's super awesome have a little bit of of struggling going on obviously after Andrew Luck's uh, abrupt retirement in 2019 2020 they've got Phillip Rivers and they're a playoff team once again well now they have Carson Wentz and I think that you know a lot of people look at this um, and, and view Wentz as an insane risk. And I think that that is very fair. I think that there are a lot of things to be worried about when it comes to Carson Wentz, which is why the Philadelphia Eagles moved on. Let's look at the trade details associated with the Carson Wentz trade. The Philadelphia Eagles, you will recall, five years ago traded up to the second overall pick. Uh, so, I mean, this is a lot of draft capital that has moved through one hand to the other. It was the Cleveland Browns who they traded with. That was actually a very special draft as the Los Angeles Rams in their first year in LA traded up with the Tennessee Titans for the number one overall pick to draft Jared Goff. We'll get to that, trust me. But with regards to this particular draft, the Philadelphia Eagles receive in exchange for Carson Wentz a 2021, that's now, even though it doesn't feel like it, third round pick, and a conditional 2022 second round pick. That second round pick can become a first round pick if Carson Wentz's playtime is at or above 75% next season. The 2020 second round pick, again, in this situation becomes a first rounder. Also, if Carson Wentz plays at least 70% of plays and the Indianapolis Colts go to the the playoffs. I really like this trade, honestly, for the Colts. Uh, Elijah Boyce says Carson is going to excel with that offensive line. We mentioned it. The Colts obviously have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They also have perhaps the very best offensive line in the NFL. They have the best guard in the NFL and Quentin Nelson. No disrespect intended to Zach Martin, but a spade is a spade and the Indianapolis Colts offensive line is incredible. And so I like this trade for Carson Wentz in that, look, I think actually I do a podcast on the SB Nation NFL show as well. I do a couple actually throughout the week. And on Thursday's episode called The Look Ahead, I said that I believe the Colts were the best destination for any quarterback this offseason just because of the offensive line, because of the defense. It's the most ready-made sort of blueprint, no pun intended, for success for a would-be quarterback. And I think it also should be said that the Colts have a lot of cap space. The Colts can go attack in free agency. They can go get an Allen Robinson. They can go get a Kenny Galladay. They can go get a Chris Godwin, whoever the cap 
guy ultimately ends up being that the Colts want to go get. They can surround Carson Wentz with talent in a way that the Philadelphia Eagles never really did. And I think that that speaks to the flaws of the Eagles organization during the Carson Wentz era. Yes, they brought back Deshaun Jackson. Yes, they had Alshon Jeffrey. Yes, they drafted Jalen Rager. But those were never really legitimate or real sustainable options. Um, but, you know, hey, um, it's uh, it's – Look, it's, it's just the way the NFL goes sometimes. So ultimately, I like this for the Colts because the Colts were really far back in this year's draft, obviously being a playoff team. They were out of striking distance for this year's young incumbent rookies. And what's more is the Colts roster, I, I hate the term win now, but they are made and built to have success in the here and now. If I was Frank Reich, if I was Chris Ballard, I would not want to start the clock over at the quarterback position because there are guys, there are a lot of guys that are available here in the market that is 2020. The Indianapolis Colts, think about the quarterbacks that have played for the Colts. I mean, there's a lot of former first-round picks that have played for the Colts, uh, really going all the way back to 2010, this now last 10, 11 years. Peyton Manning, obviously, there forever. Andrew Luck, the number one overall pick. And then, you know, obviously a bit of a rough spell between Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers, but a former first-round pick in and of himself. And now Carson Wentz. I like this approach by the Indianapolis Colts. We know that they are an aggressive team. They traded for DeForest Buckner last year. And so they go and get some somebody who Frank Reich believes he can work with. I mean, if anybody in the NFL can work with Frank Reich, it is surely, or excuse me, with Carson Wentz, it is surely Frank Reich. And so, I, and I hate to do this. I really do because I know we're all here to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, but I do think that this is a really well done and impressive job by Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles because it was super obvious that Carson Wentz wanted to go to Indianapolis for all the reasons that we just outlined. There was really no leverage working in favor of the Eagles and they got him off their books and unlike the uh, the Los Angeles Rams, the Philadelphia Eagles did not have to give up a first round pick, which is crazy, honestly. I mean, I know that the cap hits are that I mean, like, I'm sorry, I'm flabbergasted by this because Carson Wentz's cap hit is larger than Jared Goff's and Jared Goff is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. And still the Rams had to give up a first round pick, two first round picks actually, um, and involved with the entirety of the trades. And so I think that, and not only that, but the Eagles hold the sixth overall pick this year. And so that was a really enticing option. And so I really think that the Eagles did a great job getting out of the Wentz situation. They will absorb the largest cap hit in NFL history for a player not on their roster in Carson Wentz, uh, but it is what it is, and you know, I do think it is wise if you are an NFL team to just accept as I get my charger here from my laptop so we don't get disconnected and have our wonderful conversation fall away. I do think it's wise to accept when something has gone not your way and to just call it and get out of it without anything kind of lasting. And so let's talk about the impact that this has on the Dallas Cowboys. Let's take a look at the 2016 NFL draft class as far as quarterbacks are concerned. We are, of course, looking here at the first eight quarterbacks taken. Number one overall, Jared Goff, the first pick of the Los Angeles Rams in their reboot back out west, is now a member of the Detroit Lions, as we talked about, while Matthew Stafford headed out to L.A. himself. Carson Wentz, as of today, is now a member of the Indianapolis Colts, the third quarterback taken in that draft, who was almost a Dallas Cowboy Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch is no longer in the NFL, um, so a bit of a whiff, um, you know, 
needless to say, uh, by the Denver Broncos. The next pick, taken 51 overall. We're talking about quarterbacks here specifically. Christian Hackenberg did not work for the New York Jets. After that, a new member, um, not new member, but uh, now a member of the Indianapolis Colts, Jacoby Brissett, had an obviously nice run with the New England Patriots, traded over to the Colts after Andrew Luck's abrupt retirement himself. And so that is something that is really interesting. Now you have two 2016 draft picks on the Indianapolis Colts roster at the quarterback position. Moving on, Jacoby was the 91st overall pick in 2016. Two selections later, the Cleveland Browns, who traded out of that second overall pick with the Philadelphia Eagles where Carson Wentz ultimately went to Cody Kessler that did not work out and with the 100th overall pick just before the Cowboys could take him where they ended up taking Charles Tapper the then Oakland Raiders took Connor Cook that's right if you somehow did not know, which I doubt, um, the Dallas Cowboys wanted not just Paxton Lynch, but Connor Cook ahead of Dak Prescott, who they ultimately settled for with the 135th overall pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. I don't think it's difficult for you to look at this list and say, wow, Dak Prescott is clearly the best player on the board. Dak Prescott is clearly the best quarterback to come out of that class. You can make an argument that Dak Prescott is the most important player to come out of that class. A lot of that is obviously because he plays the quarterback position. Position. Uh, but nevertheless, Dak Prescott, the best quarterback from that group. Not only is Dak Prescott the best, but as many have pointed out, Dak Prescott is now the only only O-N-L-Y. Dak Prescott is the only quarterback from the 2016 NFL draft with his original team. I want to take a moment, and let that sink in. Just let it let it marinate for a moment. Let it totally sit in with you. Dak Prescott is the only quarterback taken from the 2016 NFL draft, the whole draft, not the first round, not the first 100 picks, nothing like that, the whole draft, the only quarterback taken from that draft that is still with his team. By the way, great photo here taken by the incomparable Charlotte Cushion that does a great job putting together our videos. I love these jerseys for the Cowboys, especially for Dak with the pockets, like a hoodie. It looks super cool uh, if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be. But, um, I mean, what does this say, right? Like, what is... What does this say? The Cowboys got the best quarterback in the class with 135th overall pick. Awesome. Good job. Maybe you should pay that dude. Maybe you should pay that dude. And I know we did a video earlier this week talking about how Russell Wilson is theoretically an option for the Cowboys, and he is. And that is technically possible, right? That, you know, and it's possible in the world that all things are possible. Um, but this is such a simple fix, right? Like if you're, if you're the Cowboys right now, a whole, a whole, you ever play, um, I saw they're bringing back Mario Golf, right? Um, which I don't have a, um, a whatever, a Switch or whatever, Nintendo Switch. Um, I don't have one of those, but I'm super jealous because I would love to play Mario Golf. But do you remember when you played the original Super Mario games? And I'm talking like the two-dimensional ones, not when it got advanced on uh, Nintendo 64. And you remember when you would like unlock something, like unlock a, a phase or like a world, and you would sit there and the screen would like, you know, just like implode and like everything would unlock and suddenly like 18 different levels were available to you that were not before you conquered whatever the boss or bad guy was the, the Bowser version before that kind of you know kind of the same situation here for the Dallas Cowboys all they have to do is just pay deck and that whole world like just kind of unlocks for them it's really simple it's not a complicated concept it's not a hard pill to swallow 
it's a super easy thing. I would imagine if I ran an NFL team and, and had the kind of, you know, scratch that is associated with that to pay somebody who makes your team a lot better. I realize it is an inordinate amount of money, but there should be a lot of lessons learned here. And some of these lessons should be learned by the Cowboys that have to do with the negative side of contracts here, because you look at it. Let's throw this back up here. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz got their long-term contracts from their teams now two years ago in 2019. Now, in that same offseason, the Dallas Cowboys were first eligible to extend Dak Prescott the way the Rams and Eagles were Goff and Wentz. And the Cowboys chose to be difficult about that, right? Whereas the Rams and the Eagles were forward-thinking. And so one takeaway from this is, man, you know what happens when you pay your players too early is that maybe maybe they're not done developing into the players that they're going to become. Maybe you shouldn't act that quickly. Look at the Rams specifically. The Rams paid Todd Gurley the moment that they could. That blew up in their face. The Rams played uh, paid Jared Goff the moment that they could. That blew up in their face. Both of them are no longer on their teams. And so I think that that is fair. It's fair to look at the aftermath of the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, throw Todd Gurley in there. You could throw a lot of players in there and say that you should not necessarily jump the gun and pay players the moment that you can. However, however, the other side of that coin, the more important side of that coin, is that you have to be really good at evaluating your talent. You have to be able to understand where markets are going. You have to be able to project and predict things into the future. And if the Cowboys had been able to do that, they would have gotten both, or excuse me, they would have gotten Dak Prescott signed before both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. And we'll throw Russell Wilson into that all three of them got deals in the 2019 offseason before that year began and all three of them now are market rates and we've been saying this now for over two years that the Dallas Cowboys would theoretically be happy with I mean we're talking about guys that were at 35 million dollars or less per year that is a value that right now would look awesome to be associated with Dak Prescott and that's again that same principle applies in the here and now. If Dak Prescott gets a deal, and I'm making this up, that is worth $40 million a year, whatever the case may be, in two years, just like we're saying it right now with regards to 2019, when 2023 comes, right? I actually, by the way, this is a totally separate subject. I think that 2022 is difficult to say. Like, it's difficult to pronounce. There's a lot of tuss there, you know, like 2022. It's a lot of, I'm not ready for that, but I have a year to get ready. Anyway, uh, if the Cowboys pay Dak Prescott around $40 million a year, in 2023, that is going to look like a bargain with regards to the total and complete quarterback market, the way that Russell Wilson and Jared Goff and Carson Wentz's deals all do in the here and now. Elijah Boyce has Amari and Zeke got paid before Dak and didn't deserve it. I will say you can totally say that Amari Cooper deserved it. I'm not at all trying to intimate that Amari Cooper is more important to the success of the Dallas Cowboys, but um, I talked about that Super Mario effect, right? Like when you beat a boss or whatever, and then like the, like the whole like you know map unlocks for you. The, the, the map that we're on, that we're, we're beating the, the last boss guy on, this map was unlocked by Amari Cooper, right? Like if we rewound and we went like, you know, back in the, the maze or whatever, the Mario kind of controls back to the beginning of this and we rewound, the, the last boss that we beat was, you know, Amari Cooper coming in and dominating in the 2018 season. And in that moment, I know that was a year before he ultimately ended up getting paid. Amari Cooper did the, you know, like unlocking that became what the Dallas Cowboys are now. I don't want to be the person that says, because I don't think this is fair, oh, Dak Prescott would not be who he is without Amari Cooper. But 
what Amari Cooper represented was the embracing of the offensive philosophy that the Dallas Cowboys have now had. A lot of that is Kellen Moore too. Kellen is like, um, Kellen is like when you're halfway through the maze or the, the, you know, map or whatever, and you look up the cheats online to give yourself like extra lives or whatever. That's what Kellen Moore is. Uh, but so I think Amari Cooper totally deserved to get paid. It's, it's a really hard thing to say somebody doesn't deserve to get paid, but I'll rephrase it like this. Dak Prescott should have absolutely gotten paid and been a higher priority for the Cowboys than Ezekiel Elliott, than Jalen Smith. In today's NFL, there's no reason for any front office to believe that quarterbacks are less valuable or less important to the overall fiscal stability of their team than a running back or an off-the-ball linebacker like Ezekiel Elliott or like Jalen Smith. And so um, those were mistakes that the Cowboys made, and so it's fine, you know, they, uh, they, they have to live with those consequences. But here's the thing. As I, Rajah, says, the boss is Jerry Jones, who we have to be. And it sucks, right? It sucks. It sucks in the sense of team building because we all want to see Dak Prescott get paid. It sucks that, um, that the Cowboys have to I, like again I want Dak Prescott to get paid so it doesn't suck that they have to give him a whole lot of money but it sucks that it could have been done in a much smarter and more efficient way hey this is Scott Galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the Prop G podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where I answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Ultimately, we are concerned with the general cause that is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and so, you know, that is what it is. But uh, as Alex Mata says, pay deck, man, I totally agree with you. Uh, Elijah, by the way, says little conspiracy theory here. If some people have floated this out. I think Jerry wants his grandson from Arkansas to be the future quarterback. Am I crazy? I think that would be crazy um, in a lot of other places, but I think that that's a fair data point, right? Like the, the timelines of it line up. That would be nuts. That would be wild. That would be, you know, that would be amazing theater if I'm being honest, but uh, I do not want that to happen. No disrespect to Jerry's grandson or to anybody. Uh, but getting back to the point here, this could have been done in a much better way that could have given the Cowboys more flexibility to sign more free agents, to do more trades, to execute more things that can make their roster better in an overall perspective. By the way, on the subject of free agents and trade targets, those are subjects that we are going to be tackling next week here on our video channel with different things, different players who we think that it would make sense for the Cowboys to go after. Players on the final year of their contracts at the moment would be free agents that maybe could be candidates for one-year deals. So make sure you subscribe right here to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel so you get access to those when they drop getting back to the point here the Cowboys as much as this situation sucks that there is a, a answer right like they, this isn't you know this isn't like a we're sitting here like late at night like oh god what do we do we've tried to think about it and there's no way out of this mess there's a really simple way like it's not even a, a difficult thing to process it's not like you know when you are dreading a test or something and you study and like the act of actually taking it is difficult no this is really simple this is like flicking on a light switch you just pay deck it's literally that simple just do it and 
all of these problems go away and the awesome starts to happen. And so, you know, that's a good thing. But um, something that I think is important to acknowledge in the aftermath of the Carson Wentz trade, we have all, because we're all smart and beautiful people as Dallas Cowboys fans and as humans of the earth in general, we have all been saying for a long time that Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott is better than Jared Goff. And we will pay attention to Jared Goff much later here. But the important thing is that Carson Wentz, during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, lost twice as often as he won. Now, you will see here, if you are watching us on YouTube, that in games of significance, Wentz was 2-4 and four against Dak. What does that mean? Well, it means that, for example, in 2016, Week 17, the final week of the regular season, Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz both started that game for their respective teams. However, the Dallas Cowboys, good times, had already locked up the number one seed in the NFC, only played Dak for a series, didn't take the game seriously. The Eagles ultimately ended up winning. That's a game that technically gets credited to Carson Wentz as a win and technically gets credited to Dak Prescott as a loss. A similar effect happened the following year when Nick Foles obviously uh, barely played for the Eagles and Dak Prescott started. The Cowboys won that game six to nothing. Those things don't really matter. This past season, obviously, Carson Wentz beat the Dallas Cowboys in Philadelphia on Sunday Night Football, but that was not a Dak Prescott-led Cowboys group. That was a group led by Danucci, Ben Danucci. So, this is um, this is important that Carson Wentz lost more often than he won against the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, Carson Wentz's last game in AT&T Stadium as the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles was a big-time beatdown in 2019 on October 20th. Good times, good times, good times. Now, let's talk grandly. Is that a word, grandly? Uh, but in a grand sense about the quarterback position because in spite of everything that we've said, I know that you have friends or family members or internet acquaintances or people that you play, you know, I don't know, uh, Fortnite's not still a thing, right? But you people you talk to in the world in some capacity that are still telling you that Dak sucks, just just trade him, just do some, just get rid of Dak, and just draft a guy, just draft a guy in the first round. I watched the college football playoff, go up to number two, get Justin Fields. Trey Lance, I know the Carson Wentz sucks, but let's let's go the North Dakota State route. Just go get a guy. Go draft a guy. It's super easy. First-round picks, boom, party, championship. No, 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 Miss Lippy. Not so easy. Fantastic tweet here from ESPN's Phil Yates, who, by the way, predicted that Dak Prescott would be the starting quarterback for the Cowboys come week one of the season over at ESPN. Field had a tweet on Thursday that noted a very important piece of information. And with the trade of Carson Wentz, Field tweeted at Field Yates on Twitter, there will now not be, I want to say that again, there will now not be a single quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 through 2016 that is still with his original team. Think about this. This is crazy. Like, literally, think about this. It is absurd that there is not a single quarterback taken in the first round from 2009 through 2016 that is still with his original team. How much of time does that encompass, you're asking? I know that you can literally see it, that it's 2009 through 2016. The number one overall pick in the 2009 NFL draft was Matthew Stafford, who is replacing Jared Goff. That was the draft that you will recall that the Dallas Cowboys didn't have a first-round pick in because they had traded for another wide receiver in Roy Williams. So this is a really, really, really long stretch of time here, and the only reason that 2008 is not on this list is because of Matt Ryan. I mean, this is a gargantuan level of time here where no single quarterback taken in the first round is still with his team. 
I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that uh, we live in a day and age in the NFL where there's more turnover than ever. And I applaud teams for this. I think it's important to say that teams like the Rams, teams like the Eagles, have acknowledged that their players are not worth it, so they don't want to stick it out with them, so they don't want to just you know commit because he's their guy, whatever the case may be. It should be said that it is smart, it is visionary even, to move on from a quarterback before his contract is over if you know he is not the guy. And I think a better example of this philosophy living itself out is the Rams with Jared Goff. They identified a long time ago that he was really good, but he was not what they needed to go to the next level, which is why they went and got Matthew Stafford. I also think that the end point of this tweet is an important data point as well. 2016 is the final year on this listing, and a lot of that obviously includes because Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were moved this offseason. But the reason that 2017 is not on this list, part of has to do with the fact that, um, you know, 2017 yielded Patrick Mahomes and he's never going to play for anybody else ever again. But that aside, and I know that Deshaun Watson is unhappy with his particular situation in Houston. We'll see if Mitchell Trubisky's playing elsewhere come 2021 because I would imagine the Chicago Bears, even though they did not end up with Carson Wentz, are going to want to improve somehow at the quarterback position. But getting back to the point here, I got way too off track. The reason, fundamentally, that the 2017 class of quarterbacks is not on here goes back to the finances of all of this. Quarterbacks taken in 2017 technically speaking here in 2021 are still on their rookie contracts because they were first round picks they have fifth year options associated with their deals so they're much cheaper they're more palatable they can be handled in a more financially responsible way which is why the Bears even though they did not pick up Mitchell Trubisky's option last year would not be totally stupid if they brought Mitchell Trubisky back because the finances of it all aren't overwhelming but even if the finances of it all are overwhelming the Eagles the Rams are showing that it is not impossible and I think that that's the most important take here. Um, I want to give a shout out to Orr Moyle. Does a great job with The Athletic in Dallas. Had a tweet. Uh, we don't have it up here, but I can read it for you because I know how to read and I'm super smart. Let's get Orr's tweet over here. Uh, one second as I scroll for it. Um, I have found the tweet from Orr Moyle. Here we go. On Twitter at Orr Moyle. Carson Wentz signed an expensive deal, played like one of the worst quarterbacks in the sport, and still got dealt for two day two picks, one of which can become a one. I don't care if Dak wants the Deshaun Watson contract. It would be absolutely asinine for the Cowboys not to sign him. Now, I know that some of you heard that sentence and said, no way, uh-uh, Dak is not as good as Deshaun. He's not going to make that much. I'm not paying him. He's not as good as Deshaun. Welcome to the free world. Welcome to market raid. Welcome to a world where GameStop stock is, is it's still high. Is that still a thing? But either way, um, this is the world that we live in, that not only do quarterbacks get paid because they're quarterbacks. Think about this. I, again, Orr brings up such a great point. Carson Wentz was awful. Carson Wentz was straight up basuda last year for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he still is unquestionably going to be the starting quarterback for his new team that was a playoff team last year in the Indianapolis Colts. That is a lot of privilege associated with being a quarterback because that's what the position demands. When you are a quarterback, you live a life that is different than everybody else, and every quarterback's lives continue to be a little bit more. It's like when they build um, the recruiting facilities in college football. It's like, well, we got you know digital nameplates on the lockers. Well, we have Atari machines in here. We have uh, Miss Pac-Man, the real – I don't know what it meant with Atari machine. 
I got way too into the analogy. But either way, it is a never-ending, always evolving, always growing, always getting bigger, always getting more unreasonable world that quarterbacks live in, as evidenced by the fact that, again, Carson Wentz was literally the worst quarterback among all quarterbacks who started in week one last year. Maybe Dwayne Haskins was worse, but that's a different thing. Anyway, and he is still, like, there's no question about it, right? Like, there is zero doubt that Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback for the best offensive line in the NFL in the Indianapolis Colts, one of the best defenses in the NFL in the Indianapolis Colts because he is a quarterback, because the Philadelphia Eagles gave up two day two picks, as Oral points out, and they potentially gave up a first-round pick. And I think that even if Carson Wentz ultimately goes for a first-round pick, if the criteria for that is met, we'll throw that up here, by the way, if Carson Wentz's playtime is above 75% next season, or if it's above 70% and the Colts go to the playoffs, that second round pick next year becomes a first round pick. That would be totally worth it, right? For the Colts, because you're talking about a pick that's, you know, maybe mid 20s, maybe late 20s if the Colts have serious success. And you have a franchise quarterback if Carson Wentz gets to get back to who he really is with Frank Reich. So the point here, the point with Orr's tweet is that say you are apprehensive. Say you, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you right now, the one that's apprehensive about giving Dak Prescott a contract. If you are apprehensive about it, look what the Rams just did. Look what the Eagles just did. When those deals were signed, there were people, right? We were the people like golf sucks. Went sucks. What are you doing? Giving them those deals. Yeah, it sucks that they gave them those deals. And it sucks that they have to handle such big cap hits here now in 2021 because they traded them. But guess what? They still traded them, and they both still got legitimate things out of it. The Rams got a legitimate franchise quarterback, we think, and Matthew Stafford, and the Eagles got something legitimate in that they potentially got a first-round pick if Wentz flourishes. More than anything, each of these teams was able to shed the thing that they didn't want. There's this misconception out there that like giving Dak Prescott a big-time market-rate deal is like a death sentence, and it can never be overcome. What are we going to do when we give Dak Prescott $110 million guaranteed? If it doesn't work out, you're going to move on from him in two years, just like the Rams and Eagles have done with their teams. And that philosophy is something that the Los Angeles Rams are doing with all sorts of players. The Rams are giving out all sorts of big-time contracts. And I mentioned I killed them for Todd Gurley like 10 minutes ago. But guess what? The Rams were able to move on from Todd Gurley and still went to the playoffs and beat the quarterback that we all think is better than Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Right, like the Rams identify the key elements and the key crevices of team building. And it would be awesome if the Dallas Cowboys kind of got on that pace themselves. It would be awesome if they could go back in time and do that, but they can change that in the here and now. I'm not saying that Dak Prescott signing a long-term deal with the Dallas Cowboys automatically makes them super awesome. They're going to win the Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. However, 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 think about the state of the NFC East, all right? I wrote about this on Thursday at blogontheboys.com. Adam Schefter tweeted out a few weeks ago um, that he expects the number of quarterbacks that started week one of last season to be different in an incredibly different way next season. He believes at least 18 quarterbacks will be different in terms of the guys that started week one for their respective teams. We're already up to four at the very least with the Rams, the Lions, the Eagles, and now the Colts. You could throw Dwayne Haskins out there. He was the week one starter for Washington that actually beat Carson Wentz uh, and the Eagles. That's five. You can go a whole number of different places with that. But in a year where there's going to be turnover, like we have never really seen at the quarterback position, all right, we are looking. I mentioned that Field Yates article where he predicted all of the starting quarterbacks for the NFC East this coming season. Daniel Jones, still going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. Jalen Hurts, probably going to be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. If I was the Eagles, there's people are going to mock 
all the quarterbacks of the Eagles with the sixth overall pick. If I was the Eagles, I would ride this thing out in 2021. I would get my first round pick next year when Carson Wentz is obviously awesome for the Colts. And I would have two first rounders in 2022, one of which is going to be my own because I'm going to be really bad and I'll get my quarterback of the future. Then the point there being that the Eagles were already really bad. And I don't know that this maybe moves them back that much because Carson was not necessarily the starter, but with a new head coach, I mean, all sorts of questions, they are going to be awful. And the Washington football team we'll see what they end up doing at quarterback they obviously have a great roster outside of that but the point here is the Dallas Cowboys play in the worst division in the easier conference in the NFL bringing Dak Prescott back is almost kind of getting yourself to 10 wins without even trying like yeah you have to go out and yeah I know Dak Prescott was two and three in his five games that he started whatever the case may be but you get all this behind you you get everything that was the last year with all the situations and protocols associated with the pandemic under control you get Dak Prescott back and you are very 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 likely to host a playoff game and be in the tournament come next January, next February. Just do it. All right. There's the word of advice. Cowboys pay Dak, pay Dak, pay him now, pay him tomorrow, pay him yesterday, pay him the day after that. Pay Dak, pay Dak Cowboys, please. We're all waiting for you to do it. Um, You've been taking way too long and now is a great time to finally get it done. You know what now is also a great time to do? Subscribe right here to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. We put out film reviews, we put out discussions, we hang out, we do live streams. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of that wonderful action. Subscribe to the Blog and the Boys podcast network. We have a great variety of shows. We drop an episode every day because we know that things are always happening with the Cowboys. We are available on all major podcast platforms. Hit subscribe if you can. Seriously, leave a rating, write a review. That really helps us out. I'm RJ Ochoa. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at RJ Ochoa. I hope you're safe. I hope you're warm. I hope you're healthy. I hope uh, everything's okay wherever you are. I cannot wait to talk to you next time when we get into free agents. The Cowboys should pursue people they should trade for. Have a great weekend. Just have the best weekend ever. You know why? Because you deserve it. We'll see you next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.